we made this. Hello and welcome to Don't Say the C Word, the daily podcast during difficult times where I talk to a different guest about a different topic every day of the week. My name's Mark, I'm your host here on the We Made This Podcast Network and with me at this time returning to the podcast is Stallion. Hello Stallion. Let again, Magic Mark. Yes, I uh, believe I've been asked back to this podcast out of sheer fucking hubris. I'm the best place to chat about our subject today, which is Star Trek Picard. <laughs> it's kind of a follow-up to your episode where we talked about Star Trek The Next Generation. And I thought yeah. it would be nice to have you back on and, and, and chat about the next generation of the next generation. Uh, I think that's a fair way of putting it, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I, I enjoyed thinking, your quote is there any the other? Start. Did you? Thank you very much. Well, uh, <laughs> we'll probably get into sweary admirals as we start talking about this. I was thinking, though, is there any other sort of, because we're involved in wrestling, for those who don't know, is there yeah. any other sort of big, trekky wrestling fans out there? I mean, there's Henry Grodd. I know he's quite a he trekkie. Does. But, uh, well, he came on and talked about pandas rather than Star Trek. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I've, you know, I've listened to loads of them, but they've been on the background while I've been doing other things. So I, I think I'm sure I've heard that one and loads of others. Pot plants there's, and that's over 60 thing. now. Uh, yes. Uh, so if I go back in the back uh, catalogue, then uh, that, that's always going to be fun. Mm. Right. So shall we just dive straight into, into Picard? First so, of all, I loved it. Me too. There are flaws and. I, I think we can probably touch on that. But in general, absolutely. I thought it was wonderful. I think I was very much their target audience, someone who watched it as a kid who has now become a cynical 40-something. But um, that doesn't mean that I didn't think it was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, um, that, I think that's fair enough as well. Um, when you say there was flaws, what, what do you think was flawed in it? Because... I've heard the odd thing and the odd sort of little note on Facebook where people have said, oh, well, it's not the Star Trek I know. Well, of course, it's not going to be because we're science fiction uh, effects of all uh, coming to the modern age, you know, and they've improved. So I've always wondered what on earth do they mean by that? What, what were your flaws? I felt like the ending was rushed and I didn't feel like Riker had any reason to be back as a Starfleet officer after it had been established he was happy retired as a dad but these are all minor points really why did you see anything that you thought was particularly flawed um you know what there's one thing one thing and it's a really minor thing but i'm going to mention it because i thought the casting for a start was absolutely superb i thought the mm. acting was really good apart from rios's various different accents which was just horrible but that's not what i'm going to focus on the thing that i hated the most right was she was a brilliant actor in it but um there was a woman who was called bejazel which sounds like it's some sort of betazoid jewelry for women's bits but she was <laughs> wow. she was the woman on free cloud who was um buying up bog so she could take them apart and get their Right, little uh, Borg implants and what have you. And when I first saw her, I just went, is that Troy? And she looked so much like Deanna Troy. 
it was too distracting and I thought you should have had somebody else do that part it doesn't matter who else it sh- she is just Deanna Troy stop it and I don't think I'm alone in that I'm sure there's a lot of folks out there it's funny the that. odd little nuances you spot isn't it because I didn't spot that at all but I, I suspect on a rewatch now you've said it I'll be like fucking Ellie was right it's the first thing that I noticed on that episode, the one where they went into frequent. I'll tell you what was good on that episode as well. There's a lot throughout of it. There's a lot of little nods and Easter eggs and all that sort mm-hmm. of thing. There was a Quark's bar I noticed on Free Cloud. So it looks as though he's going to become the Weatherspoons of uh, of the Star Trek universe. Probably um, about as honourable as the Weatherspoons owner as well, like his Quark. Oh, but, uh, and there was also, oh, it was really good on there as well, the same shot, there was Mott's barber, and Mott was the uh, the Bolian, he's like a blue-skinned alien in uh, mm. in The Next Generation. He was the barber on the Enterprise, so I thought that was a nice little touch as well, and there was loads of little touches throughout there that I, I thought, oh, that's brilliant, and a, a lot of mark-out moments that I rather yeah. enjoyed as well. I think you're right. I think there was a real element of love and knowing what it was following. I think it could have edged towards too much nostalgia, too much references, but I didn't feel like it went too far. I thought that they got the balance right. They gave the fans the kind of things they wanted to see, but they didn't over-egg it. And that's a tough balance to meet, actually. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. There was a lot um, to do with one of my big things in something like a massive universe like Star Trek, Game of Thrones as well, is uh, and things like that are continuity. And yes, you can write round things, but it's how people cleverly write round things. If they just ignore something that happens, a lot of people don't care about that. But I absolutely hate it because I've kind of, and this sounds like really snobby, but like I, I, I like to have that deeper understanding of a, a particular universe I've invested myself in. So it's yeah. not just, oh, spaceships, pew, pew. I, I can't be doing with that. Um, and I think that they had the right, very much like you say, they had the right balance. It wasn't all about nostalgia. It was about continuity. Um, so mm. they had like the little mark out moments like Riker saying shields up and things like that. But it was just like those little nods to the past. And it wasn't just to the TNG era, but also to uh, the original series. And I think, I'm not too sure, but I thought when they were talking about the Romulus thing, I thought that was, is that a nod to the films, perhaps the new films that came yeah. out in 2009? I mean, yeah. I, obviously, as everyone knows about me, I've seen one film, the greatest film of all time, The Princess Bride. But I'm vaguely aware because I read things and that sort of thing. So, yeah, there, there was a load of it. It's not nostalgia. It was continuity, and I loved that. Yeah, I think they got that right. They they had to write certain storylines because of their hands were tied by what had happened previously. But I don't think they over-egged it with how many people that they brought back. I mean, there, there were characters that we could have, expected to see that we didn't in the series we saw hugh and seven Riker and troy data and echeb remembering echeb very proud <laughs> your your favorite character is wharf you we talked mm-hmm. about that on the last time you're on the podcast how did yeah. you feel that someone like like hugh and Riker and troy were were chosen to come back but wharf wasn't well, that didn't really bother me because, I mean, again, it, it ties back to what you said. Too much nostalgia. It was just like a get-together of all the old cast. Mm. It would just You might as well just make the Next Generation Series 8, which the producers clearly went out of their way to say. It's not 
TNG yeah. Series 8. Mind yeah. you, if you also, I want to mention this, if you go on Twitter and look up TNG Series 8, it's brilliant. There's a guy who writes all of these comedy things on there where he just details the main plot and then just comes up with something daft like, and uh, Data and Geordie then chase the cat. It's just it's nonsense, <laughs> but it's really funny. <laughs> so credit to them for that. But yeah, I wasn't bothered about um, about them not bringing back Wolf. It makes sense. When they brought back characters, it made sense. Yes, he would go and yeah. see his close friend Riker. And I thought they did Deanna Troy beautifully well. Showed that she still had that uh, empathic nature of the Betazoid, as well as, as being like a, a mum who's had a tragic loss because, you know, you yeah. find out through the show that they've lost a son and they moved to that planet because of because of the, the condition that he had. And this is the thing as well, right? Oh, I could go on on a massive tangent, but this is where lots of things in the show tie up. Lots of things don't, but you don't expect them to in the first series. That might go on for future series and that sort of thing, you know? They'll hark back to something. And I think that's a wonderful thing, right? Because I hate it when things are just introduced into a show and you think, well, there's been no history here before. You've never mentioned that. They're sowing seeds for things that could possibly yeah. happen in the future. But the, the, this thing with the son that was dying, he had like a, a positronic illness, which was like a silicon based. I, I can't even remember what its name was, but some sort of uh, thing that was that was based on positronic uh, technology. And he had this illness, so they went to this planet where um, was it? It wasn't the chair. That's the old admiral from uh, TNG. I can't remember the name of the actual place, but um, they went there because of the healing soil, and it was so that the son might get better because. All positronics were turned off after the synth um, attack yes. that happened on Mars. So, you know, there was loads of little things that tied in like that if yeah. you looked for them. And so I, I, obviously, I've only like watched it through twice, so I obviously mm. can't get a good grip on everything that was in there. But there was loads of little things that I thought were just uh, really, really good. I just that That was my favorite episode. The kind of slowdown of pace. We're taking a pause for this episode and bringing in Riker and Troy, it could have been awful. But the way they did it was so sensitive and so beautifully mm. done that that was that was my favourite episode. And, and, and Riker and Troy weren't particularly my favourite characters from Next Gen. When we're thinking about kind of like bringing in characters into mm. Series 2, I mean, obviously your answer's probably Worf, but we know we're going to see Guinan. Do you have any yes. kind of wish lists for series two i don't particularly necessarily need to see wolf in it um at all okay. at least not in the second series i think that would be a bit too much because it would kind of be shoehorned in unless there's a something to do with the klingons and he needs to speak because he he was left in an ambassadorial role after his deep Space nine um so it makes very little sense for him to come back at the moment but i'll tell you who i really would like to see who would be great is uh geordie laforge because we know from comics and things, so this is your uh, area of expertise, yeah. so I'm expecting you to have done all of the research and read all the comics. I haven't read any <laughs> Star Trek comics. Yeah, I had a feeling you wouldn't. But um, LaForge was in charge of making uh, or designing spaceships at um, the Mars, what was it called, the something Planitia shipyard sorry it sounds like i'm an absolute amateur with this and i am i'm just a fan but uh, uh so that's where he was now bear in mind that's where the attack was i want to make sure he's all right and ah. i just think he'd be really useful um and, and quite an interesting character to bring back so i would say geordie would be on my wish list but then you've got to think about some of the other folks because warf aside nobody out of deep space nine has made a, a 
a Star Trek appearance in anything else since. No. Um, uh, and there was only a Janeway, I think, appears as an admiral in one of the films um, that obviously I haven't seen. I really want Janeway. I really, really want Janeway. I think I'd love to see Picard and Janeway react as two older characters now. I, I, I would love that. And I, I think, bizarrely, even though, again, I wasn't particularly fond of him during Voyager, I'd quite like to see Chakotay. And mainly because I'd like to know what happened with him in Seven. Yeah, I'm wondering. See, that was a rubbish ending, right? And they had no business going. Everybody hated it. Um, and from what I know, uh, I think it was Robert Beltran who'd actually suggested that to the writers that, oh, we don't care anymore because the writers clearly don't. I'll just suggest mm. this, and they actually put it in. Or the story was something along those lines, anyway. But yeah, yeah Chicote that didn't actually examine in any depth in Voyager whatsoever. Over um, how many episodes? Over how many exactly. series as well? Yeah. yeah. Harry Kim I'd like to see come back he was a little favourite of mine and he was the well the reason being right he was overlooked in Voyager as well and he should have like at least had a promotion out of all of it so I'd like to see what he's doing because mm-hmm. uh, uh, Garrett Wang is a massive Star Trek fan anyway so you know he'd want to come back and do it well I think he would but uh, mm. so I, I think he'd be my, my Voyager wish list um, I would Garrick would be one I'd love to see come back from uh, Deep Space Nine the nice. Cardassian Taylor because um, he's just so brilliant. I love Garrick. So that's kind of my wish list. But um, I'm more focused on the storyline of the new characters and letting them establish mm. themselves. Mm. I think they did very well with the new characters. And I do want to talk about which one was your favourite out of those. But before, number one. We, before we do... <laughs> Simple as that, number do, one. Um, what would you think about Q coming back? Do you think that would suit this current kind of like political climate version of Star Trek because Q was kind of weird and frivolous, but wonderful. Hold do you on. think, well, they... what do you mean by, let's just go back a little bit. What do you mean about this political version? They've all been political. So, I mean, Possibly... current politics. We're we're seventies, eighties and nineties was quite optimistic politics. Whereas this is very bleak kind of 2020 politics in this uh, the utopia has failed in star trek interesting point yes yeah because it's in this one you're seeing all the flaws aren't you you're seeing all of uh, starfleet's flaws and actually you know i'm thinking on that i don't think that's um ever been hidden yes they've got this noble vision but much like everything in in humanity and in alien kind, I guess there's uh, there's a lot of flaws there, mm. because if you look at previous series, there's been like dodgy commodores and admirals and all sorts in right. loads of different um, episodes, and it's, it's so you know it, it's not that they haven't been there all the time. There has been corruption. It's I'll a bit more in your face now, though, I suppose, and that's what I mean. Do you think that Q, who was always an antagonist who questioned everything, has anything to question anymore? Um, uh, I was almost expecting them to jump in at the end of this series. As for, uh, has he got anything to question? I would imagine so. He'd be curious on on how things are going. He'll make fun of the fact that Picard's getting old. Uh, I, I don't know. Be an in- I'd love to see Q come into it, but... Um, yeah, I don't know how to answer that because it's a question. I would like to see Q, but I don't think they're going to go anywhere near him. I think they want this to be grittier than Q can possibly bring. 
Maybe. Um, maybe. Uh, I know, and I don't want to hog on to it because I hate Discovery, but um, there's uh, not all of it, but some of it. But they at least did a, a Harry Mudd episode, which was kind of like a fun one. But uh, so why don't they have um, cucumber? There's nothing wrong if he makes the odd little appearance. True. Um, you know, but I get what you mean with them being gritty. It's. We, t- we know in wrestling, there's like an old adage about not getting all of your shit in because it's not necessary, right? Yeah. Use what's appropriate to the actual story you're trying to tell. And I think that's very much the way they're concentrating on this. And looking at the writers and the way that they've done it so far, they've done it superbly. And we don't know what's been edited out and what didn't make the final cut. But they are, the writing and the level of detail that is in there is absolutely phenomenal there's a load of little nods back like we mentioned earlier but uh it just it's sown seeds and i just think that's that's just wonderful um yeah. so it, but they'll use what they need to tell a good story mm, and i think they've changed the what was almost the quintessential star trek of monster of the week with a slightly sort of ongoing plot in the background to big time plot rather than monster of the week yeah yeah, it's a series rather than um, it, it being episodic, and I think mm. it's a it's a change from what we've known from Star Trek and what have you. But I think this is really good because um, I don't know if I touched upon this. I think I did in the last podcast where it was like, oh well, the next episode everything's fine, even though you've just been like shit out by a a Gorzalian mud monster or whatever, right? And like, oh yeah, yeah I'm fine. The next week we'll never mention again. There's um there's something about this that whatever happens because of the fact it's in in this sort of series type nature whatever happens early on it's going to have repercussions somewhere down yes. the line maybe not in this series because some uh, some of the things i've read was well there's all these like open-ended bits that didn't seal it off well of course it didn't because there's going to be more series so let's talk about the new characters the the ones that are main cast at least are soji yes. rafi rios jurati and narek which out of those did you particularly like? And were there any you didn't like? I loved Raffi. Absolutely loved Raffi. Her acting was spot on. The, she had to have this sort of um, period with Picard and act like she'd had this period with Picard, which we've never seen. We've never mm. experienced it. But I felt that she actually had after he'd, um, he'd gone on to a, a different ship. I think he went to the USS Verity or something after his time on the Enterprise. She was his first officer, apparently. And... Mm. Even though we don't see any of that, we haven't seen any of that in the series, I felt that, yes, there is a connection there. And whilst I can imagine there'll be some diehards somewhere going, oh, you can't call him JL. I just thought, no, it makes sense. She would have a nickname for him. You know, anybody who works closely with him will mm. maybe have a nickname for him. And so, you know, that that was all fine. The way that she speaks to him and things. And I just yeah. thought she did so well. But there's also this dark past behind her that's starting to unravel. She's got this great heart, but she kind of almost ignored our family to go and do this rescue thing which then you know the, yeah. the rest of the world shit all over i just think and she's got like this son who, who's disowned her who's then got a romulan pregnant you know his, his girlfriend or wife we haven't discovered that yet you know so the, there's all that sort of thing because you know oh son with romulan wife i'm like big up on conspiracy theories about the romulans being behind the uh the synthetic life uh attack on mars kind of thing hmm. uh, which Spoiler alert. We should have really put spoilers at the beginning. She, it proves that she's actually right uh, at the mm. end of that as well. So, you know, yeah. that's open-ended for the next series. And I'd love what, to know more about that. What I liked the most about the Raffi character was that you compare her to Will Riker. Will Riker has come out with a good life 
after associating with Picard. Raffi mm. is fucked over by Picard, which again is back to this slightly darker. Not only has Star Trek's utopia failed, Jean-Luc Picard's perfect record has also failed. And the fallibility of Picard is quite important going through the whole series. He's old. He hasn't achieved what he wanted to achieve. He's living in a society he's unhappy with. And fucking hell, for a character that was essentially Shakespearean perfect, to actually do that to him is quite brave. And she is the almost like a characterization of that Mm -hmm. period we haven't seen where Picard fell from grace. Yeah, very much so. And it's wonderful, isn't it, seeing Patrick Stewart examine and explore this extra facet of Picard where he is in a different point in his life Mm. and he's had all these failures and and that's kind of like almost knocked him from grace to... uh, I mean, this is a guy who had been recognised across the entire Federation and now in the present day... I mean, look at that wonderful scene where they go into Starfleet HQ and the guy at the front desk says, Name? He doesn't recognise him. It's mad, isn't it? <laughs> I just thought, you know, things like that. But I think we know that Patrick Stewart is a great actor and he's got the range to do that. But I think that might be a, a wonderful challenge for him, the fact that he's getting to explore all these things where Picard isn't perfect and he's he's got these failures to deal with and how he overcomes them. Because, you know, a lot of people sort of disrespect them because of the fact, you know, he had this failure with uh, the, the Romulan uh, rescue and what have you. But... It's kind of not quite a redemption arc because he hasn't, he's never been bad. He's just kind of like trying to recover from, yeah, from that that mistake, um, which is a massive, massive thing in in his character story. Mm. Incidentally, my favorite character, which (laughs) is potentially because even though I'm 40, I'm sort of watching Star Trek like I'm 12, like, like it was when I was a kid. I always liked the aliens and I always liked to learn about the alien cultures, how they were different to ours. So he he didn't have very much to do, but I'm looking forward to him getting lots to do. I really liked Elnor. I thought that there was a real potential for that character to start off dull one dimensional guy who's badass and have a long arc that creates this wonderfully painted picture at the end like my favorite character in Buffy is Wesley because he started as so one-dimensional sniffy watcher and by the end of it he'd had this story that changed him completely and I'm hoping for something similar with Elnor uh yes very much so they can't give everybody all of that screen time straight away and they'd already done a lot of building up I think I mean, it was all under the, last, the final episode where kind of a lot of the action and all of the culmination everything else was table setting and I think that was very much the case with Elno and it just it does it gives that oh well there's a character we haven't explored yet and mm. we haven't shoved down everybody's throat so let's just build and give him a backstory and he's got a wonderful um, a wonderful chance here to have a great arc because of the mm. fact that he's an orphan he's come from the the Romulus rescue that uh, that Picard uh, mm. did he he's got this bond at Picard he's then had to grow up uh, with these warrior monks and I can't remember the name for the life of me what that group of warrior monks are called yeah. sorry um, a warrior nuns would they be I don't it was know. warrior nuns wasn't it yeah so you know and then he's got these fighting abilities so he's got all of that built in and this respect and this great sort of um, love of Picard because he's come and rescued him from this, he's going to have, have like a bodyguard role, isn't he? Yeah. Um, which is again why you don't really need Wolf to come in at any point for that sort of thing. Well, maybe Elnor 
to show how tough he is, is going to kick the shit out of Worf. <laughs> the Worf effect, which we discussed on the last podcast. Um, yeah, I, I can't say that, but if, if there is, there might be a little bit of a, I want a gruff tension. That. I want to see that, and I want to see your face when it happens. Worf will kill him. Anyway, because <laughs> you've got to bear in mind, Worf, I remember an episode in TNG, Worf does not like Romulans. He could have saved them by uh, giving his blood. Oh, I'm such a nerd for knowing all this stuff. But he refused, even though, you know, it wouldn't have hurt him but because of the fact that he, he hates Romulans that much. But Elnor, he's fascinating at the same time um, that there's so much can be um, explored with him. You think you know how basic his character is, but that just means you can kind of... I mentioned earlier, Harry Kim, you can maybe do what you didn't do with Harry Kim and yes. actually give him something. Yes, very true. Well, it's been lovely, Commander Stallion. But with all due respect, and at long last, shut the fuck up. Thank you for listening to Don't Say the C Word. I'll be back tomorrow with another guest and another topic, and I'll see you then. Don't Say the C Word is a podcast by me, Mark Adams. My Twitter handle is at MarkAdamsHC. The handle for the show is at Don't Say the C Pod. And we are part of the We Made This Network. That's at We Made This Pod. Thank you for listening, and we will see you tomorrow. Previously on the We Made This Network. The Time Is Now, a Millennium Podcast. Doesn't necessarily need to be. And I would contrast that with somebody like Emma Hollis, since this episode has so much in common, I think, with Sound of Snow. That tone and that character, I think, works so well for the show. In contrast, just highlights even more how Laura Means feels like an X-Files character. To be fair, Season 2 feels a lot like The X-Files, and in that sense, fits in well with... Laura Means fits in well with Season 2. Life's Milestones. Do you feel like, having been married and divorced, that it's changed your opinion of marriage and how much you believe in this as um, as an institution? I think the really sad thing is that Knowing now how easy it is to get divorced, Mm. I think it's so easy to get in and out of it. I mean, it's harder to get out of a contract with O2 than (laughs) it is to get out of a marriage, and it takes less time. Wow. But if I'm absolutely honest, I don't feel that my marriage was particularly well-founded in the first place. And when I did go to see my divorce lawyer... He kind of said, do you have any assets? Do you have anything, you know, that you need to split? And I said, well, no, it's only the kids. And he said, well... You can't split them. You can't split them, no. <laughs> well, and you he... could, but you'd, you'd be in the nick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we buy records. Specialist round. Simon I've got first up. OK. Your specialist subject, please. David Bowie. What's David Bowie's? It's a big field. It's a big... It's, it's a hell of a category to, to, to bite off. Oh, why not? You're psyching don't, Tim. Psych him out. Don't Go let on. him psych you out, Cy. <laughs> Stare him out. Check out all of these shows and more on the We Made This podcast network.